Welcome to the College Church Sabbath School Podcast, where each week Pastor Anar Ram and Elder Roger Prather will be diving into the weekly lesson from the Seventh-day Adventist Church. The congregation at the College Church has made it their motto to love, grow, and serve. We really want to learn to love more, grow more, and serve more. It is our hope that through these conversations, we can learn to better serve our congregation, our local community, and the world. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope you are blessed with today's conversation. Welcome to the College Church Sabbath School Podcast. I am Pastor Anuram, and with me are... Tom Bloom. And... Roger Prather. And we are recording this from South Lancaster, Massachusetts, at the College Church which is located at the corner of Main Street and George Hill Road. Please come and fellowship with us, worship with us, study with us sometime. We are looking at lesson number three, the power of the exalted Jesus. That is a riveting title right there, the power of the exalted Jesus. And with that, I'd like us to begin our study this, this time with prayer and Tom, would you pray for us as Absolutely. we start? Absolutely. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again that we can open the pages of your word. Be with us now as we study. Let the Holy Spirit permeate this room and give us the information mm-hmm. that he would want us to have so that we may spread it. Let's not keep it to ourselves. Let's spread it so that others who are listening to the sounds of our voices may be blessed and that your name can be glorified. We thank you and we love you in thy name. Amen. Amen. So our memory text is part of what we'll be looking at this morning, or I'm saying morning or afternoon. And uh, actually what I'm going to do, I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 1, 15 to 23. And last podcast, this podcast, I'm using a different Bible that I would usually use because it had a nice outline of the book of Ephesians reminding us of a very simple process here. The first part of Ephesians focuses on our position in Christ. Our The second part of Ephesians looks at our practice on earth. Point being, our beliefs must and will impact our daily lives. How we relate to others, how we relate to even ourselves, how we see God, how we see this world. So with that, just want to read uh Ephesians chapter 1, 15 to 23. This is from the New Living Translation. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you may grow, that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him the head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Went a little bit further than what I'd planned, but... There's a lot there, my friends, a lot there. And it's interesting that when Paul writes this, he appears to be very, very thankful for the church at Ephesus. And that's a really important thing to keep in mind, that churches where people come together to encourage each other, share, grow, fellowship, is crucial. It's crucial. And Paul is writing this letter He's giving a thumbs up to the church at Ephesus. It's not perfect, but giving a thumbs up. And and I hope to all of our listeners that you have a place where you fellowship, a group of people you connect with. And that, like in this case, 
that there is this love, there's this bond, and there's a connection. So any thought about this here, uh, Tom and, and Roger? Well, I think it's interesting that one of the things that Paul brings out in his prayer life is that he prays with thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Ephesians, being a minority group, being under pressure, being under persecution, you could see how they could possibly, their mental health would be uh, you know, subjected to some stresses yep. and strains. And Paul basically goes, I pray with thanksgiving for you. Mm. So he not only does he bolster them, but he also gives us a partial outline for our own prayer life. Mm. I mean, there in in the beginning, when I was being taught how to pray, you know, of course you go to the Bible and you have the you have the Lord's prayer. But then, as I progressed through my life, it was ask God for things. Oh, I understand. You know, where you're there going, was yeah. this, you know, there was this, you know, pull the lever and the and the candy comes out, you know, yeah. kind of thing. And as I got older, I would come to God with supplications, you know, protect my family, protect my, you know, my children, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And there was very little joy in my prayer life, very little joy in my prayer life. But Paul seems to say, even in the middle of this kind of situations that the Ephesians found themselves in, their prayer life was to be one that included joy and thanksgiving as part of the process. Because, and then he goes on, and our, our lesson on Sabbath afternoon goes on to talk about those things. Part of the joy of their, of their prayer life should be because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because of the fact that he's sitting on the throne. And because everything, now we were talking about Ephesus and in our last podcast, if you were following along, uh, Roger gave us a little bit of a historical context about what Ephesus was about yep. and how they could walk the streets and they could see all sorts of, you know, magical stuff happening. Yep. It wouldn't have been hard for them to go, oh, these other deities, you know, they've got it over God, right? Yep. And and Paul's like, nope, 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 hang on a second <laughs> here, okay? All things have been placed under subservience for Christ and Christ has been given the church as... The, to the church as its head. Mm. So Paul immediately attacks all the things that the Ephesians can see walking up and down their own streets and says, nope, this is how the reality really is. Mm. That's a good point. Uh, I can give a little like sermonic illustration. There. You talk about um, you you ask God for things and you pray for like uh, protect my family and my children and things like that. Like I, you know, I'm not trying to sound like I'm special or anything like that, but I don't really pray. I do pray, like you know, to protect my wife and children. But I don't. I try not to pray. I consciously try not to pray for like things, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. In limited circumstances, and I try to keep it in the context of you know, God. If if this is what you want to happen, then you have to show me how to navigate this. Yeah. When I ask for things, it's usually for other people. Right. You know, if it's mm-hmm. your will, heal this person of cancer. Right. Or, uh, you know, if it's your will, use this, um, you know, use this hard time in this person's life to teach them a lesson or something like that. Um, but the, sorry, I'm trying to like phrase it properly. The point, the, my, my point is when you talk about Jesus being you can be triumphant because you ask your let's say you ask your wife ask God to protect your wife and kids and then they die in a horrible car accident. Right. Did God answer your prayer? Mm. Yes. Yes, he did. <laughs> right? You don't know. Mm. And that's I think that's what Paul's saying is like Jesus rose from the dead. Yeah, okay, so yeah, there's some guy remember go back to the beginning of Acts, right? You know, they talk about like the guys with the the woman who can fortune tell and astrology was big and you had all these like mystery cults and all these different things that are going on. And what Paul's saying basically, like, did, did they die and come back to life? Then they're not as powerful as our God. Mm. And have, has anybody been risen from the dead? Right. Cause that's what our God yeah. did to Jesus. And so whatever happens, and this is what come back to the predestination thing from last right. time. Yep. That's what really predestination is. Yeah. Okay. So your wife and kids died in a horrible car accident after you prayed for them to be protected. Well, you know that they ultimately are protected because Jesus rose from the dead. Amen. 
right? So that's kind of what I think Paul's getting at. You can be happy, whatever the circumstances, and it's easy for us even today, and I can't emphasize enough how the cultural milieu of Ephesus really mirrors our own contemporary time, because it's easy to look out that window right there and be like, you know, the world's going to hell in a handbasket, and yep. there's nothing we can do to prevent it. Right. We've yep. shifted the agency to ourselves Oh yeah. Rather to the, than the God who raised Jesus from the dead. Right. I want to add to what you just said there, Roger, because verse 18, look at what Paul's praying for, for the church at Ephesus. He says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded, not with answered prayers, mm-hmm. but with light, so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those who he's called. Mm. Matt's a totally different... He's not praying, you know, health, He's not wealth. paying protection, health, right. wealth, all that sort of stuff. No. Yep. Nope. And, and name it and claim it, he's saying that they would have light to understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. And there's that word hope, that word hope. And, and uh, last week we were talking about some of the darkest words and, you know, hopelessness, futility. God comes along and saves us from those. Right. And meaninglessness, these are things that he saves us from. And Paul says, have the light, turn on the light. You can see the whole thing, and we can see what God has done. Um, any other thoughts here about this? Because there's several passages we want to touch on the, on today. Um, and, of course, we come to verse 20. The key, as we mentioned earlier, was we serve a risen Savior. Right. We serve a risen Savior. So if I can turn us to uh, 1 Corinthians 15. Now, I know that 1 Corinthians 20 through 22 is in our Sabbath school lesson, but for some reason I feel that I want to back it up to uh, 1 Corinthians 12 through 18. And I'm going to read it out. And this is 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12. 12 through 18. Yep. And it's uh, in my Bible, I read from the New King James. Now in Christ, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. Hmm. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and our faith is also empty. Hmm. Yes, and we are found false witness of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up. In fact, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, our faith is futile. Hmm. You are still in your sins. Then also those of who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have the hope in Christ, we of all men are most pitiable. Hmm. That, that right there, I think, is... Um, I mean, in this world, I mean... I don't know how many years ago what was it 1510 when when the Mel Gibson brought the you know the the passion of oh, Christ yeah, out yep. and all that sort of stuff and yep. there was a lot of controversy and all that sort of stuff. I think we spend a lot of time and have spent a lot of time focusing on the death of Christ when in fact we should be focusing on the resurrection of yep. Jesus Christ because his death although very meaningful, and yep. don't misunderstand what I'm about to say, was meaningless if Sunday morning didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. So yep. we we have to have that as one of the, our anchors in the faith, and that's what Paul gives the Ephesians, as he says, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is an indicator to you and to those around you that our God is the true God. Now, let's get practical about this, Tom and Roger. I mean, do we, when we get up in the morning and we go through our routines, are we living in the resurrection power? And I would say yes, no, maybe. Um, Are we really, are we thinking about the fact that we serve a risen Savior who's in the world today, right? We know that song. Yeah. And, or do we see... Life like the average Joe does, you know, I owe, I owe, it's off to work, I go, or he who died with the most toys wins, these expressions that we've had over the years. Um, 
even Solomon, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. You know, do we have that perspective? Or, and, and maybe we can maybe see this on a spectrum. You know, do we see there's those that, you know, at this end, at a zero, life is pointless. Ten is I am living the full life. On a, on a, and I'm on a 10. I'm on a 10. And maybe we're like 8.5. Maybe we're 9.5. Maybe we're 10. Maybe we're at 4.3. It's just something to think about. Because we can get sucked into, you know, we are, we're all parts of culture. And you can walk into a room in a decent mood. And if everybody's in a lousy mood, it, it will probably affect you. Or vice versa, you come into a room, you're in a bad mood, and people are in a good mood, it's going to affect you too. So we're, you know, it's the old, are you a thermostat or are you a thermometer? Mm -hmm. And we find ourselves kind of stuck between. But, you know, this is, Paul is saying, wow, listen, this is reality changing. Well, this is is not the reality that you're seeing. See, so they're walking around in Ephesus and they're seeing all that sort of stuff and says, Paul says, you have to change your paradigm. You have to change your viewpoint. You have to stop looking at the things of the world. You have to stop saying those things are more powerful than what I have the ability to hook into. And he's telling them, he's telling them, God is there. Jesus is there. He's waiting for you to hook into that power and he wants to give it to you. Now, maybe not in the way that the Ephesians, you know, we as human beings, you know, eradicate my enemies, you know, or (laughs) enrich myself or whatever, right? You know, kind of thing. And it was, no, it was a war of souls or war for souls. And he goes, I hope that you are filled with blessings so that you can bring more people to Christ. And I want to just fast forward here because I remember the book of Ephesians will actually tell us, put on the whole armor of God. And we're in this battle. And and if you're going to get into this, you got to go in with your breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation, sword of truth. I think that's what it is. But and and to to know how to navigate this because yeah, otherwise okay. so, we're, we're wanna, going down. Otherwise, I want to add one little thing to that. Uh-huh. And then what does he say? Because a lot of us think that we need to start swinging once that happens. Oh yeah. What does the Bible say we're supposed to do once we put on the whole armor of God? Think stand fast. Yes. Yep. Stand still. <laughs> stand still. That's true. Can I just add a couple things? <laughs> sure. You've been too quiet over there, Roger. <laughs> because I am learning from your conversation. Um, By the way, this is we have we have th- three tracks here, and, and and yeah, any rate, so go for it. Uh, okay, little background, real quick. I'm writing a PhD dissertation, uh, and it's studying the relationship between religious beliefs and political beliefs. Mm. That's all the background I'm going to give you for now. That sounds interesting. I use a theory called social systems theory in my Mm -hmm. research. And what social systems theory says is that um, organizations, groups, uh, and systems in society and culture um, differentiate from extant groups, organizations, and systems when they begin to interpret their environment differently and they can no longer use the vocabulary and the concepts of an existing system. So um, they form new ways of communicating about the environment. So you have like, you know, the economic system and the political system communicate about the same environment, but they communicate using different terms, mm, right, different right. concepts. Jargon, yeah. Right. So you can't, you know, like the Soviet Union fell not because it was a totalitarian dictatorial regime, but because they tried to communicate about economics using the the language of politics, right? That's sort of like a diagnostic tool. So I'm studying Christians and how they form their political beliefs. And my using that theory, um, I advance the idea in my dissertation that what makes an orthodox evangelical, and we fall within that category. I know people don't like to admit that, but we do. 
what an Orthodox evangelical Christian uses, what differentiates Orthodox evangelical Christianity from other groups, organizations, and systems is the belief in the resurrection. Mm, yes, yeah. That's what makes us different from mainline because the mainline denominations have drifted away from a belief in the physical, temporal, bodily resurrection mm. of Jesus. It's what differentiates us from Catholics, as Tom points out, because although Roman Catholics do believe in the resurrection, there, because of the sacrifice of the mass, there's an overemphasis on the death of Jesus. Mm -hmm. That also differentiates us from non-Christian entities because we serve a risen Savior who's in the world today. I know yeah. he's living whatever men may say. Yep. Um, and that's why I just wanted to point that out. Like my theory and my whole academic research is that what makes us distinct is our commitment to a risen king. Mm. Yeah. And so to your point, it's not about whether we're a one or a 10 that day. It's yeah. about whether when we are a one in that state, can we still go like, I'm suffering, this sucks, whatever, but Jesus lives mm -hmm. and Jesus still reigns. Cause you're going to have one days, right? Yeah. And you're going to have 10 days. And the temptation is to like go out no, there. No, 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 you're not saved unless you have a 10 day every day. Yeah, man. Like uh, <laughs> Jesus is all love and happiness, man. Like the Christian life is just, you know, it's the best high, man. No, that's not, <laughs> that's not true. Yeah. That is not true. Some days I wake up and I feel like garbage. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I understand. You know, and some days you're tired and some days you're mad. Some days you go home and kick your cat, right, yeah, Tom? That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's a stuffed cat. A uh, stuffed cat. Thank you. But Otherwise, we're going to get irate emails from the Humane Society, okay? And, and Just kidding. And ASPCA. And but the resurrection is crucial. It is crucial. Right? That, we serve a risen Messiah who God raised from the dead, who with his own blood entered the most holy place and is pleading the case of all those who follow him before the God the Father, and everyone who follows him will be saved. Right. Yeah. We complicate it so much, and that's, I think that's what Paul's doing. Like, we, it's like, oh, Christian theology is so complex. No, it's not. No, it's not. What are you talking mm. about? Like, you have these, like, weird mystery occult religions where you have to go in blindfolded and, like, you know, like, pierce your right you know what knuckle and like suck the blood out and then you know like recite these weird chants yeah. it, it, no it's mm -hmm. believe in the lord jesus christ yes. and you will be saved you and your household yep. period period, period. Yep. okay there is nothing beyond that there is no okay and let's not get weird about this but there's no additional bible doctrine i mean that's a starting point that's salvation is the starting point it's not the ending point right and that's to me that's the big deal I can be saved and right. go to heaven, yep. okay, and still have no idea about the state of the dead. I can still go right. to heaven and still have no idea about yeah. insert you know biblical principle here. Right. It doesn't mean any of those things are unimportant. No, as no. you right, exactly. I don't want to make the mistake of saying right. I'm not suggesting that. But what I am suggesting is is that we put the cart before the horse a little bit, and. I mean, growing up in the 1970s and 1980s, it was learn all this stuff, get all this preparation mm -hmm. and all that sort of stuff, then have baptism, and then you're saved. Yep. Yep. And and um, we've, we've in the process, unfortunately, made mountains out of molehills, as the expression goes. And this is good. I always – it's interesting. It was several years ago where we – did a Bible study on Romans and then I think Galatians or Galatians and Romans and it was two, it was six beautiful months, really. And this was at least four or five years ago and it, I really had an epiphany we need more of this. I don't think as, as Seventh-day Adventists we understand Romans, Galatians, and I'm at Ephesians as much as we should. There's something in our DNA. We have to have our DNA modified in a way to say, okay, we are saved by grace. And it was so amazing to have those two together. And it was like, wow, it really changes the, the tone and the ethos of the, of the Sabbath school discussions. Well, as human beings, we simply, I mean, here's the truth. We simply do not believe it's that easy well, that's because true. we come from a world Yep. No free lunch. You know, nobody, everyone's got an angle, right? There's a scam in there somewhere. Yep. You know, the guy, the prince in Ethiopia is not actually looking to give you a million dollars, okay? He's not. Right. So because we are awash in this 
kind of mindset, we can't fundamentally, we disbelieve and we say, there's no way it's that easy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let me do something. And that's why that, well, that's why religions like, um, Islam and religions that are in the sort of like new age occult, uh, genre sphere. Um, even, even Buddhism, Buddhism, all these, you know, it, I think it fulfills this need of like, I need to do something, right? So I'm going to meditate or I'm going to do these rituals. Um, and it's really not that complicated. It's really not. And we, and I just want to, you know why we have a hard time understanding those books, Pastor? Because our primary method of Bible study is still proof texting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I... I my my apologies to the general conference, but the Sabbath school lesson, a lot of times is yeah. evidence of that, yeah. and a lot of the books on the shelves in the ABC are evidence. Of well, that. because it's an old school methodology. I yeah. mean, this was the methodology that we used because what we were doing is we were we were comparing apples to apples. Okay, you know what was the early Adventism to go into a town and challenge the priest or challenge yep. the preacher, right? To a yep. to a Bible off, yeah, Bible, <laughs> you know, kind of thing, right? I want to push one of my special uh, special effect <laughs> button here, but um, it's interesting. I think we need we we take a shift from proving the truth to experiencing the truth. Right. And that gets more personal. And then sharing it. And then sharing it because we've experienced, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And and I see we're about halfway through our allotted time here because I want to shift gears here a little bit. I mean, there's more we could talk about here in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 1, verses 15 to 23, but I'm also keeping my eye on the Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21, um, as you glance at First Corinthians, um, First Ephesians first, Ephesians first, Ephesians one. Um, I think we've touched on this. We could go in more and more depth. I want to just add here in verse twenty-two. Although the lesson, yeah, the lesson sends us there, that Christ is is the head over all things, for the benefit of the church. You know. We got to remember what this is all about. Christ is the head. Period. Right. This isn't because, you know, a church has the truth, or you, you like the pastor, or you don't like the pastor. You know, Christ is the head of the church. Well, from the um, from the historical concept, again, early Christians would be walking down the roads of Ephesians, and if you wanted to have safety on the ocean, oh yeah, you went to this temple. Yep. Right, and if you wanted safety for this land deal, you went to this temple. Yep. Every god has his own little realm of control. Yep. And so this polytheistic idea, yep. and Paul is just he's running right in the face of that and saying, no, 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 no. Not only is our God alive, he's in control of everything. Yep. He's not just the God of the water. Right. I just had an experience. It was within the last week. And this person was raised Catholic and had become, in her understanding, become a Muslim. I don't think she quite understood all the implications because she, I think she still believed in the divinity of Christ. But at any rate, her reasoning was, and I asked why, she says, I wanted to talk to God directly. And my jaw basically dropped. <laughs> I mean, it just <laughs> dropped. I'm like... Have you, there's a thing called the Reformation. Have you ever heard of it? You know, I didn't mean it in a mocking way, but you ever heard about it? Nail my 95 thesis. Exactly, and and she really hadn't. I said, well, Martin Luther was a monk of monks, and I kind of gave an overview of his life, and, and you know, he had the epiphany that uh, the just shall live by faith, and we as Protestants talk directly to God. And I don't know if it quite registered yet, because she had seemingly adopted another part of faith to be able to talk directly to God. Right. And, and uh, I think part of the dynamics was her mother was a devout, or grandmother was a devout, is a devout Catholic, right. very devout. And you know, praying to Joseph and Mary and was good, but we want to go right to God. Right. And I'm like, this is breaking, this, I mean, if this is really her journey, this would break God's heart. You know, broke my heart. I mean, this is you know, 
Well, she it, okay. So it just you know, where do you go to I look mean, for the silver lining? At least she's doing it for the right reason. That's true. She wants to say, "I want to connect with God," and this is what Paul's telling the church at Ephesus: You have the privilege of serving a risen Savior, and right. and. Uh, I know, Ro- I, I know Roger well enough. I can see he's he's got something. I'm just <laughs> looking at the rain. <laughs> Look at the rain. So I I, I don't know like uh, that. But again, it goes back to I just want to, you know, the Reformation. What I did tell her says one of the key components is sola scriptura, yeah. and obviously this person had not really spent much time in the scriptures to come to this conclusion. She lumped it all together. And said, "Well, I want really want to connect with God. So, she, whatever reason, Islam seemed to well, and offer Christianity something. probably had her mother's face, yeah, which is That's possibly a, a positive or a negative, depending well on put. how the family dynamic went. Yeah, well put. And a lot of Catholics. I mean, like I never met more Catholics in my life till I came to New England. Yeah, and you know, most most people who grew up Catholic in New England, you know, they just that's all they really associate with with Christianity, you know." Is uh, some everything's just a form of Roman Catholicism in the mm. end, you know. Um, but you know, I think part of our problem too, like, it, yeah, that's unfortunate. But I also believe, like, I, I've told this story before. I had a friend who was going through a rough time, and he grew up Catholic, and uh, he, you know, he was kind of like just kind of like leaning on me, ask, you know, I was just one of the people that was just kind of talking to him when he needed somebody to talk to. And he said, I don't know what to do, you know, like his, 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 uh, relate, you know, a relationship that fell apart and he wasn't seeing his mm. child and, and, mm. you know, it was just in a rough period. And, um, he's like, I don't know, you know, what should I do? What should I do? And I said, you know, here's what you should do. You should get up tomorrow morning and you should go to mass. Mm. And, um, he's like, yeah, I think I will, you know? And then we have, I have a friend who is Protestant and he's, he's out of earshot. He's just like, why would you tell him to go to a Roman Catholic church? You know? Because if he's actually searching for God, God's going to find him there, right? Like God finds people yeah, in that's mosques. True. That's you know? true. Yep. So if it, like like to Tom's point, like if she's doing it for the right reasons, um, and she's really seeking God, um, yeah, he could. I mean, I don't have any doubts that God could find a way right. to make that work the right way. And maybe you were a per, an important part of that. Maybe. You know, you put a bug in the ear, it might not, might not. She might not think of it for three years, right? But who cares? You know what I mean. Yeah. Like in the meantime, you just gotta kind of trust trust God to to do His thing. Yeah, you know? let the Holy Spirit take over. Let the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we take don't over. convict. We don't convict anybody. But I, part of the problem too is I think there's a generational effect, and I think after a certain point, like you could probably draw a line, and there's like there's like a Tom's the history teacher at SLA, so he probably could speak more to this. But and he's also correcting the problem. I assure you. Um, but there's there's this swath of people who can't explain Protestant history or Adventist history or yeah. why it matters, yeah. right? And I think, um, and I, I'm, I'm very critical, I'm very critical of church culture, and I, I admit that freely because I think it's necessary. Like, we were very fundamentalist for, for a 30 to 40 year period from say 1920 to 1960 or so. And then we allowed the culture to begin to affect us and I came up in a time where, you know, you there, there were two churches in town. You know, the one church, the one church was the old school <laughs> church where it was like, you know, here's the twenty seven at the time twenty seven fundamental beliefs, and you have to follow them, like, or you're you're gonna die in the lake of fire. And then there was the other church on the other side of town or, that was just like. Or- Let's just love them in, man. Yeah. You know, it doesn't yeah. matter, man. It just let's just love them in. It doesn't matter, yeah. whatever. And we just take anybody and like, you know, and we have not found a way to square mm. these circles. And so we've I don't know, I think we're just I think we're afraid. I don't think we really know what we are about. And yeah. we're afraid to take action because we don't really know what we're about. Yeah. And I'm speaking about the average member in the pew after, say, born after 1965 70 right yeah. like my generation like yeah. most of the most of the adventists of my generation you either you go one of you've gone one of two directions you've become a little more conservative over time because you've had a family or whatever unless you live in california um i'm just joking it was a joke it was a joke 
Um, or you've left the church. Yeah. Or you, like I have a lot of people I went to Southern with who are members of like Presbyterian, Methodist. Yeah. You know, they want to leave Christianity, but they didn't really know how to do this whole Seventh-day Adventist thing because we we, we've become so confused. Yeah. Or, or you see this wild mix of, I'll take a little bit of this, I'll take a little right. bit of this, I'll take a little, right. and then... And that's cultural, right. though, too. Right. That's why a Catholic can be like, oh, I became a Muslim so I can talk to God <laughs> right. because of syncretism, where it's yep. just like... Yep. And I also, I also have my tarot cards read on Sunday afternoon, yep. and yep. Um, I talk to a psychic on Wednesdays. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just like, yeah. and then, you know, whatever. And this then I meditate and, right. you know, Lord Krishna. And I mean, it's just crazy. What and this do. is what's so amazing when, you know, we, we've talked about Again, before. about Ephesus. Yeah, yeah, Ephesus. Ephesus is a yeah. melting pot of all these different ideas and religion. Paul is saying, this is where you put your money. Put it on this. And so I want to bring us back to uh, Ephesians chapter 3, 14 through 21. Again, reading out of the New Living Translation. Uh, when I think of this, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the Creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray from His glorious, unlimited resources. Oh, I'm sorry. I pray that from His glorious, unlimited resources, He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Then Christ will make you make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Did you, I mean, this is powerful words. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. See, it's interesting because, so we have the one concept of divided powers. Right, we talk yep. about that. So Paul attacks that with the Ephesian church. Now we also have the concept of not just divided powers, but we also have the concept of Jesus is now the everything on top of yep. that. Yep. Okay, um, you he's not capricious. That was the that was the right. word that I was coming up for. Yep. Okay, so not only do you have the, the God of the sea, but he's also capricious on top of that. So you can go and you can die in a hurricane, and there's no reason why. Blah blah blah. blah. Okay, so the Ephesians walking down their polyglot cosmolic cos, cosmo street, seeing divided temples with capricious gods. Yep. So you have now Paul going, hang on, hang on. One God, one powerful, and he also has one goal. He's not yep. capricious. He loves you, and he wants to have you as his. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned that, that four-letter word, love. That's powerful. We're not appeasing. This is a God who wants us, desires us. Well, in these Ephesian gods, you would have never heard them say that word. Right, Yeah. That the love was perform some ritual of sacrifice. Yep. Yep. To appease. Which, which, which I think, we, we, even Christians can kind of forget this fact that we kind of see it almost as a transactional relationship with God, where we say, "I'll do this if you do that." You know, quid quid pro quo. Is that what the expression is? Well, in the 1970s, when I was growing up, there was a lot of this angry God stuff. Yep. Okay, and I grew up under this idea that God was angry, and this appeasement concept was still strong in my version of, of Adventism at the yeah. time. Yeah, and so it became a difficult thing because this is exactly what Paul is is attacking: is this idea of appeasement. You don't have to appease God. Right. God is there for you. Yeah. God loves you. He's eternally in a love state toward you. Does that mean he's not angry with you? No, absolutely. The Bible is full of circumstances where God was, you know, more than mildly upset with his own people. But as David says, your anger is 
fast and it's over. Yep. And anger doesn't mean hatred. No, right. Anger stems ultimately from love. Right. Because you're disappointed. And But since we're back on the other gods thing, this is really important to me as a social scientist. Um, we the, Our culture is filled with pagan gods. Yeah. Filled with them. Yep. We don't often realize that they're pagan gods. Hang on just a second. Let me add to your point real quick and I'll let you continue. Yeah. There's a television show out there that, that – and I don't recommend watching it. Okay, But what it does is it's turned the internet into a deity. It's turned mm. television into an actual deity that where they're – actually manifested mm. as human beings and they receive their power from the number of users or the number of people uh, that are watching or, or, is it or black or. mirror. Is that a black mirror episode? No, no, oh, it's an oh. actual television show. I'll have to find okay. it for you. It's wild, but go ahead. Sorry. So you say that, right? So I'm, I'm going to mention this, right? So we, there was just, a, I hope it's not prophetic. It yeah. is. It is yeah. actually um, because uh, just uh, a week or two ago, uh, they, they, there was an article published. Now, if you, if you, you know, everybody's bugged about the World Economic Forum, right? Well, a lot of it's true. Um, there's a guy named uh, Yuval Noah Harari. He's sort of one of the, he's a historian and one of their sort of like forward thinkers. And he actually did an interview or wrote an article. I forget which one. I can find it. Um, anybody, you can come find me and I'll find the reference and give it to you. But seriously talking about we can we will create in the next few years, we will be able to create our own AI gods. I did hear about that, yeah. This is real. Yeah. Like, these are people who are like advising major corporations and national governments um, yep. and government policy and what corporations do, the policies corporations adopt. Um, so this is real. And yep. here's the problem with the church is that we are so, and I know I say this a lot because I mean it and I think it's important and I, I wouldn't repeat it if I didn't really believe it. We are so worried about what people think. We're so desirous of cultural acceptability and respect mm -hmm. that we are importing a lot of these pagan beliefs into the church. We're not yeah. the only denomination that's doing this. Yeah. Um, I could show you videos of, of, of church services that would make your skin crawl, mm. some of the things that they're doing. But it's very tempting. But what you're doing when you do that is you are importing. It's basically like to put it in the Ephesians thing. It's like you're going out and you're grabbing an idol of Diana because that was one of the major gods. An idol of Diana from the temple of Diana, or the you know the whatever the idol merchant at the mm -hmm. temple, right? And you're bringing it into the church, right? Which is effectively sa the same as what some of the Israelite kings were doing. Well, we're going to appease the Syrians because yeah. by and we'll do that by worshiping some of the same gods, yeah. or we're going to we're going to attract these other. We're going to bring them into our temple. And we're going to worship these other gods alongside the Jewish God, the Israelite God, and they're going to help us fight, you know, to yeah. maintain our sovereignty or whatever. And that's kind of what we're doing. We think that if we just, if we appease the world enough, they'll leave us alone. And that's true. But by the end of it all, you're not going to be a Christian church anymore. And that's mm -hmm. happening a right. lot, yep. uh, happening a lot in, in, in yep. Protestant denominations. Yep. And it's happened, I hate to say it, but it's happening in some of our churches too mm. and our institutions well i mean okay so I, I hear you but then there's that yap in the back of my head which has been there since the day that i was born which says yes you're absolutely right but now you're making what i hear and you may not be actually saying this but what i hear is a standards argument and a what argument a standards argument okay okay how do we maintain our purity how do we maintain mm. our 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 standards how do we maintain our true christian path yeah okay and i on one hand i totally agree with all that stuff okay but then there's the other half of me that says but we're trying to draw these people into a relationship with jesus christ right mm -hmm. i mean I've struggled with this for years and years and years. And the idea that we substitute ourselves for the Holy Spirit. Mm. Okay. Yes, we've got tons of this stuff motoring around inside of our Christianity right now. Oh. Okay. Is it inevitable is it inevitable when we consider the the spiral downward that we call what the world is going to be at the end of time? Mm. 
Is there no place for a person? And I'm, this is an honest question. Is there no place inside of our church or inside of our religion for a person who has this polyglot of ideas that they call their version of Christianity? Is there no place for them mm-hmm. under our umbrella? Or do they have to be pure? Define umbrella. Well, like SDAism, say. I don't know. That's a tough question. I, I think it depends on circumstances, right? Um, you want, I mean, obviously you want you want people that have misconceptions about Christ to come in the door because where mm-hmm. else are they going to get those misconceptions Correct. Right. corrected, right? I, 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 that's the thing. We should but, have doors wide open. But I think we need to, wow, we're really going <laughs> but, deep here but because but, part of me says we need to even examine, we need to own the teachings for ourselves, that's my point. Yeah, if we we're need, not living out what we're trying to get people to accept, but but what I'm saying is, is I can't just pull out the go to seminary and just be a bobblehead. Yes, 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 yes. This makes and I, and then say, okay, this is what it needs to be mine. I need to say, oh, this makes sense. I studied this, and yeah, now I understand why we say X, Y, Z. My point is, is we don't have that original fire that people have had where you're in the early church you take a stand saying i i believe jesus was the messiah this this was a costly we know this was a costly right. step early adventism you know jesus yeah we under we misunderstood what's going to happen october 22 we we higher medicine helps understand this but it wasn't just didn't end there we started examining other things well, what does happen when a person dies? Which is the day? It was Rachel Oaks Preston. Hey, you're keeping the wrong day. And we had these amazing epiphanies, and it became, it was, there was excitement there, and it was, of course, some conflict, of course, but it was an energy there. The problem is any organization will go through a, a sort of a, a bell curve, and you come to a point there where it's at maximum efficiency, and it needs to do something, otherwise it's going to decline. And sometimes we just end up having people just repeating the same old thing, even though it's in the head but not in the heart. And, yeah. and, and this is what Paul, he's got it in the head and the heart. Right. I mean, this guy is on fire. I mean, he's like, wow. But how do you prevent, I think the, con- the you know, how do you prevent, like you're talking about like the life, the life, life cycle of institutions. Yes, yep. And you become you come to a point where you are completely and utterly institutionalized. You can't prevent this in some sense, right? Um, from the perspective of sociology, and when you become like completely solidified as an institution, um, you you start to create a, 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 it becomes this plethora of rules. And the rules, rather than the enforcement of the rules, we'll say I, enforcement in a church context might not be the right term, but in, in broader organizational studies. The enforcement of the rules become focused on the maintenance of the institution itself, right? And you've lost that original yep. purpose, right? All organ, you know, governments do this. Like, look at look at the giant bureaucracy we have now, right? It's just focused on just maintaining itself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all institutions do this, um, and to some extent. And so you either have to sort of like reinvent yourself, and you know, there's plenty yep. of books out there people are interested. But how do we how do we do it though? That's how do we recapture that mm-hmm. Pauline? Sort fire. of uh, fire, newness of vision. Um, how do we do that? I don't. I don't know. That's the. I think that's the question. What where, where are their standards? Where does the stand? You know, I ask ten different people. You get different answers. Is it when you baptize people, sometimes I think we're too quick to baptize. Um, sometimes we put too much burden on baptism. Yeah. Baptism doesn't require like the you know, you know, signing a contract and all this kind of stuff. Right. But at the same time, everybody that walks in the door and says I want to be baptized, there should be a little bit of examination to make sure they understand. The commitment they're making too, right? I mean, I don't know. Like, well, for for Philip, it was a chariot ride in about forty five minutes, yeah. right? But the but the Ethiopian showed, but he the Ethiopian eunuch showed, showed knowledge, knowledge yes. and, and 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 interest right. in learning the scriptures. If somebody just walks in the door and says, "I had a vision last night," and yeah. uh, you know, I I feel like I need to be baptized, and then you come to find out, you know, a couple of days later that he thinks that Jesus is one of the ascended masters, and um, you know, I don't know, like uh, the Dalai Lama. And yeah. uh, but, you know, whatever. Again, but we're going back to that conversation about standards, right? Is not his initial belief 
a good place to start. Is Jesus, and this is this comes back to my research and my PhD, right? So the question you have to ask is: Did Jesus is Jesus risen from the dead? Mm-hmm. Was Jesus a living man? Yeah. Did he die? And was he raised from the dead three days later? Two so, days later. So is that minimal profession for you? Is that what your expectation is? Yes. Okay. I think that the belief in the bodily resurrection of Jesus is the defining standard of Christianity. That is the gospel. Yeah. And I, I, on that note, it's it's interesting is we don't know a person's heart, but so many times people are baptized out of, I would call it consumerism. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just, I want to be saved when Jesus comes. I want to be in that number. All right, I'm going to go get wet. And, and and I think God honors that, but it's it's still in the shallow end of the pool because we don't realize what we're really signing up for well, and the full depths of it. And I know I'm playing the devil's advocate here on some level, and it's also a belief system that I have. You have to start out in the shallow end of the pool. Yeah. Yep. Okay, everybody started out in the shallow end of the yep. pool. I got baptized the first time because why? Because I was 17 years old and I was terrified that I was going to go to hell. Yep. Was that a good reason to become to become baptized in a Seventh-day Adventist? Maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, right? Okay. Okay, but that's the shallow end of the pool. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody starts out in the shallow end of the pool. Yeah. It, it then you give it to the Holy Spirit to take over. And then they start driving forward from there. And we may not see, and this is the part that I harp on, we may not ever see a change in a person. Right. That's not our bag. Right. It's not return on investment. Okay, we don't have to see that. That's not our, our, our T. It's whether God knows the heart. So can I can I make an analogy that yeah. I think kind of supports your point, right? Yeah. So like last time we talked about like the polit- pol- political, you know, kingdom of God. What does it mean? You know, I talked about the book uh, Resident Aliens and stuff. So think about like immigration, right? How many people immigrate to say like the United States? We'll use the United States as an example because that's where we are. And people immigrate to the United States for all different kinds of reasons, right? Mm-hmm. So they might say, um, "Oh, I'm from a, a totalitarian country." You have a lot of people that still today live in the United States that grew up under. Eastern Bloc Soviet communism, right? Say like, oh, I lived in this totalitarian society, and I wanted to come someplace where I could, you know, freedom, freedom, whatever. Mm-hmm. I was a Christian. I was an I, I was a Eastern Orthodox Christian, and the church had to go underground and whatever and whatever. So I came here for freedom. And then you might have somebody who says, you know, well, I was free. You know, I could read whatever books I wanted or whatever. But you know, I was working. And I just couldn't support my family, so they came here for economic opportunity. Yeah. Or maybe they came here because, uh, I don't know, whatever. They got a job. Maybe they worked for the church or they worked for a corporation. There's there's a million different mm-hmm. reasons. You, you ask a million people, you're going to get a million different reasons for why they immigrated to the United States. Why do people come into the church? Mm-hmm. Ask a million people, you're going to get a million different reasons. Are mm-hmm. any of them invalid? No, of course not. Right. But they've asked for citizenship in the kingdom of God, just like an immigrant's asking for residency or citizenship in the United States. It's not my job to question why they're here, but you do have to come to a point to say, like, you know, like you have a citizenship test or you have, you know, a certain, so you have to apply. There's like an application, you know, you have to answer some questions. And there are minimum standards. What was the minimum standard you elucidated? For, oh, for us, for the Christian church. Uh, Do you believe that Jesus rose bodily? Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures, was buried, was resurrected again on the third day according to the scriptures, at which time he ascended to the right hand of God and he appeared to multiple people. And that's, that's where it has to 1 stop. 1 Corinthians 15, really? right? Yeah. That's it. Because think of the centurion, right? comes out, what must I do to be saved? Believe yeah. in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will Did be saved. Did we hear about what the Ethiopian practices Christianity after he was baptized? No. No, it's not germane. There's all kinds of weird stuff in the Bible, though. Like if you like, that's the thing we don't we, we don't really sit and read the Bible. Like, there's all right. kinds of weird stuff in the yeah. Bible, right? I was just telling my kids yesterday, right? Because we were, what were we talking about? There was oh, um, my daughter was. T- she showed me some video on like Instagram about like uh, like uh, like hidden symbols in like Disney movies or something like that. Like that, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I, we were talking about the Little Mermaid, right? And I was like, well, actually, you know. Um, like some of the chief gods in the Middle East that uh, Israel competed with were fish gods. Right. Like Dagon was a fish god. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you have the story of the guy who comes to Elijah for healing and he co- he's going back to serve the king and he's like the king's like sort of like right hand man bodyguard and he wants to take some dirt from Israel. I forget the guy's name. 
but he wants oh, to take some dirt yes, from Israel, yes, yes, and his yes, yes. his king was bowing down to this fish god, right? And he had to he wanted to sprinkle the dirt, uh, whatever. What? How did I get on that whole thing, man? I don't even know where I was going with that, bro. <laughs> what did you say about? Oh, we don't know what. There's all kinds right. of weird stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. So like, there's people today that would look that and be like, well, you know what he should have done is he should have told the king. Hey, you got to believe in this Yahweh guy. Right, right. Mm. Right? But no, he didn't do that. He just went back and said, you know, he said, okay, I'll bow, you know, I'll help you bow down before your fish God. Um, and then he starts sprinkling dirt. Well, what are you doing? Well, see, I actually, I don't worship this God anymore. Right. I worship this God from this other place called Yahweh. And um, I want him to know, I took dirt from his homeland, and I want him to know that I'm worshiping him and not this guy. Right. Right? That's all the witness he did. He didn't have to go there and like at gunpoint, like, you know what I mean? But that's kind of like what we, we think that we have to do that. We have to mm. sort of force people to believe a certain way. I don't think we should ask questions about why people come into the church. That wasn't my point. But we have to recognize that people are under the influence. That's, again, the, the spiritual entities. <coughs> Thur Thursday's lesson, I think, and this week, these spiritual entities exist. They influence people and they influence the world. And people get ideas from those entities and then they come into the church and they want to bring those ideas with them. Yeah. Well, and we and have to have some way of safeguarding the church from those ideas becoming influential. Well, and that goes to Pastor Rom's point, right? Okay, I have railed for years that if we think that our message is so weak that we have to super protect ourselves from everybody who walks through our doors, yeah, right, right. then we've kind of lost the, the notion. So my point has always been, we let anybody through the door, right? But our message is so not weak, it is so strong that those that are in the pews are still adhering to it, even though they might be initially under the influence of something that isn't quite the right message. Hmm. Wow, guys, this has gone. Uh, we so are I'm from the South. You know how it's. I'm sorry. I got to say it. I got to say this. I got to say this. I'm from the South. So you know what it, that means? Jesus ain't scared. <laughs> Jesus ain't scared. <laughs> now Everybody's I, welcome. I, I think I, I like what we're talking about here. And, and part of me wants to go, on the other hand, you know, we have to, you know, we have, I see, I. I agree with you, and I also like I'm challenged because, well, we do some strange things in our church. Do you know what you're, you know, maybe the issue is is that we're connecting baptism with membership, but, you know, we when you die, you don't go to heaven or to hell. Right. We keep Saturday as the holy day, not Sunday. You mean you don't... You don't burn scented candles? No, we don't burn... No, 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 and we pray directly to our Lord, and, and uh, when Jesus comes, it will be visible. Right. And, and I think this has been probably one of the things that we've wrestled with it for a long time. And I think it goes back to, you know, and I don't know Advent's history that well, but uh, probably we were thinking this is a remnant, and the remnant will have their act together. And the part of the act, and I'm not justifying, I'm just explaining the, 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 the theological process. And uh, while you're going to, here's the light, do you accept it? Because this is part of following Jesus, is that you would say Saturday is the day. Well, we were also we were also Methodists in our background, our initial yes. background. Yep. So of course, methodology Method. had to make its way into our big time. Yep. Our theology. Yep. So listen, I we are run, we have run out of time. So if can't you can't run out of time. If, if if you've enjoyed our podcast today, please. Join us for our next podcast. And we've been looking today at lesson number three, the power of the exalted Jesus, something we need to always remember more and more. And uh, next week, we'll be looking at lesson number four, how God rescues us, which is guaranteed to be a good discussion. So on that note, Roger, would you pray for us as we, as we sign off? Absolutely. Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord, for the diverse perspectives. I thank you for bringing three people together who see things from just a little bit different angle and how we bring up different issues. And we know, Lord, that you're you're the Lord of all of us. And that there's three perspectives in this room, but there's thousands, millions, millions of perspectives in the church. And we know, Lord, that you, you have a place for all of them in your plan. And so I pray, Lord, just based on this conversation, I want to pray right now that you will give us the spirit of, of good-natured discussion, 
that prevailed in this room today in our congregations, in our church board meetings, in our elders board meetings, in our Sabbath school committee meetings. Help us, Lord, to have this good-natured respect for each other's differences of perspective so that we can move the church forward in the direction that you want it to go. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I would just want to add to that prayer, Roger. Thank you. just want to add, Lord, may the same fire that was in the belly of Paul and the early church be in our minds, in our bellies, as we really need to get back to Sola Scriptura, Sola Gratia, Sola Fide. These are the things that start, the, the characteristics that started the Reformation and essentially started the early church as well. And of course, the, the primacy of the Holy Spirit drive us and lead us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us, my friends, and uh, we hope you'll join us on our, for our next podcast. If you have any comments or questions, to, uh, please go to our church website. There's a section there. The website is thecollegechurch.com. Contact us. You can shoot us an email and or give us a call. Either way, God be with you. We look forward to spending time with you for our next podcast. If you are looking for a community, have some questions about the discussion, or would like to participate in a live Sabbath School class, please join us every Saturday at 10 a.m. for Sabbath School and 11.15 for our worship service at 337 Main Street, South Lancaster, Massachusetts. This has been a production by the College Church's Communication slash Media Ministry. If you were blessed by this podcast, please like, follow, and subscribe. Join us next week for another lesson, and let us all remember to love more, grow more, and serve more.